welcome to At The Horn, the podcast devoted to the University of Pikeville women's basketball program. I'm your host, Will Nip, and on this episode, U-Pike head coach Cliff Williams and I look back at a challenging week for the Bears, an exhibition on the road against the University of Kentucky, the home opener against nationally ranked Rio Grande, and a scrimmage against NCAA Division II power University of Charleston. We look ahead to the start of the Mid-South Conference schedule and the opener against Lindsey Wilson. We continue our off-the-radar segment by getting more acquainted with junior guard Julia Parker and learn more about what she means to the Bears' success off the court. We update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge all on this episode of At The Horn. Welcome back to At The Horn. I am joined now by head coach of the University of Pikeville women's basketball program, Clifton Williams. Cliff, my old friend, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, had an early morning practice today because we're heading out to Lindsey Wilson this afternoon. Since we were last together, the Bears have hit the court three times, an exhibition, a game, and a scrimmage. Uh, only, yep. only one of those counts on your record, and we'll get to that in just a second. But what's the difference between an exhibition, a game, and a scrimmage? I guess technically they're all games. But with an exhibition, um, we're taking a check home to help support our program. Uh, with a scrimmage, we're, we're necessarily not, but it's, it's an opportunity to get better with it uh, not counting against our record. And we played an out-of-conference team in the scrimmage, right? We played a Division II NCAA team um, in our scrimmage. And we'll talk about all three of those, but we're going to start with the first game on that schedule, and that was last Wednesday. Made a trip to Lexington to play the University of Kentucky, a school that that had a lot of turnover this past year, and yet a school that's going to be somewhere around the top 20 uh, if some things go their way before the season's over. What did you learn about your team in that 93-45 loss? You know, I, it's, it was one of the few times I had an opportunity to do, like, do post-game media unless we're in a conference tournament or the national tournament. And uh, I did have an opportunity to reflect on that very question. And, and, you know, we, we showed toughness. Like that was, it was really, really physical um, inside on the perimeter. Like there was, the contact was everywhere. And, and for us to stay together through, you know, the adversity, the speed of it, the athleticism, we showed some toughness. We only scored four, 14 points in the first half. And I believe we scored 34, 35 in the second half. Our team stayed together. Nobody started pointing fingers. You know, we, we just kept competing. We played everyone. And looking back at the Kentucky game, Coach, uh, Mary Englert led the team with 12 points. Balance scoring is, as you noted, 45 for the total. So you're not going to have a whole lot of points jump off the page at you. Any particular players stand out in your mind in that game? You know, we had... We had a freshman take a big time charge. We had a sophomore take a big time charge in the paint, right? Like taking two charges, um, that really stood out, right? It, it brings energy to your team. All 15 players played. I thought Bailey Birchfield did a good job in her minutes out there. It, it, it is tough going, right? Like the level of athleticism and getting her shot off is hard to adjust to the speed. And I thought everyone did a solid job with the minutes that they had. And, and like I said before, the level of toughness that we showed and staying together, you know, that's what I really learned about it, like what we're capable of in under adversity. All right, so the Bears moved on from there 
and played Ryo Grant, ranked number 20 in the nation at U Pike's Gym on Saturday. This is a game that, that you were in for half of the game, but then the, if the second and third quarter got away from you, Bears ultimately dropping an 83-73 to 73 decision to Ryo Grant. But the second and third quarters, you were outscored 50-32. to 32. Uh, Looking back on that game, what led to the getting away in the second and the third quarter? From a technical standpoint, you know, obviously, you know, we missed a bunch of shots in in that stretch. But, you know, the the flip side of that was was our transition defense wasn't where it needed to be. You know, they they pushed the ball up the floor. Um, I felt like that's one of the few times in, in a long time where, you know, I felt like we got we got outworked on the re on the boards. Um, you know, I think we were minus 10 for the game, yes. you know, and hard, it's hard to come out on top, you know, when, when we're lacking in those two areas, you know, they're getting easy buckets in transition and they're getting second, they're winning the chances game. It goes back to me, right? Like if, if we weren't ready to play that preparation, you know, that's, that's me. So I got to look at, you know, how we prepared and what adjustments we need to make going forward. One thing that jumps out from the stats page, and that's Mary Englert was only able to play 13 minutes. She ended up fouling out of the contest with six points, uh, 13 points or 13, six points in 13 minutes. Those are not what you expect from Mary. Obviously, the foul trouble was a major part of that. Well, what what and here's, you know, we talk about things that, that go unsaid and what people don't know. And I guess that's what podcasts are for. Right. But part of it is that uh, Mary was hit in the eye before the game. Um, and spent the majority of our warm-up time in the training room and just never, like, she she had trouble with her vision um, throughout the game, wound up going, you know, get checked out afterwards to make sure everything was okay, um, but wound up with a scratch. Um, and, and it certainly impacted her, her ability to perform. Um, so when we look at, talk about Mary in particular, you know, not to make excuses, however, uh, that was that was a situation that that happened with her in that particular contest. Talked about the game getting away in the third quarter. Uh, Ryle took a 26 point lead at 60 34. Been real easy to pack it in, but you didn't do that. The Bears outscored Ryle Grant 26 to 16 in the fourth quarter. And as I looked at the stat sheet, the first thing that came up to my mind and looking at Ryle's numbers was they didn't just empty the bench and, and let you beat up on their subs. Uh, they played basically their starters a good majority of those minutes. That they did. I mean, because there's going to be a drastic fall off if he goes to his, I mean, his bench, right? Like, so, you know, he wasn't, you know, they weren't about to give us any kind of advantage. You know, they had us down on the mat. And they were trying to keep us there. And yet you came back against those players. Well, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we had freshmen that, that, had a game um and you know ali stone came out in the fourth quarter and and really gave us a boost uh offensively right um really really efficient performance i believe she wound up with 18 points in 19 minutes um three out of four from the three-point line uh, and you know once our offense got going a little bit our defensive intensity picked up and you know we we're able to to close that gap i believe we had a 26 point fourth quarter yes uh, in that game so you know, we we kind of flipped the third and the fourth quarter. Just wasn't enough in the in the long run. We spotted them too many. You know, down twenty at this level, you got to hit a whole bunch of threes to be able to close that gap. You you mentioned uh, Ali's performance, and it's one of those where you and I don't don't necessarily collaborate prior to the podcast. I like to 
just pick your brain and, and see what you say. But, but yes, obviously her performance comes right screaming off the stat sheet. Played all 10 minutes of that fourth quarter, went five out of seven from the field, three out of four from the three-point line, 13 points in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, they say it takes freshman time to adjust. She seems to be adjusting pretty quickly. That was her first basket, you know, as a college player at the begin at the in the first half of that game. She's she's practiced really well, but her game minutes have been an adjustment, right? And and it was just staying the course. And I just felt like once she saw one go through the net, she would exhale and 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 get things going. And she really got it going in a in a pretty big way. Give Sierra Feltner a nod too, um, and talk about her performance in that game. Um, you know, she wound up going seven out of 13 from the floor. Didn't shoot it great from three, but, you know, she had 19 points, 18 rebounds, four assists. I mean, it's, you know, in 32 minutes, uh, just a steady, solid performance from, from you know, our fifth-year senior there, too. Um, Morgan Stamper was 50% from the floor, but 12 rebounds. Um, you know, it, it, so want to highlight those performances in, in what they brought to the table in that game um, as we wrap that one up. Morgan, Morgan with yet another double double ho hum, right? <laughs> 13 points, 12 boards. You know, at five foot eight, five foot nine, whatever you want to want to put on it, you know, none of them are ho hum. She earns them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you know, it's one of those if you're, if you watch the Bears day in, day out, you just, True. and you just expect, you, you look down at the stat sheet and you just expect Morgan's going to have a double double. Indeed. Indeed. But no uh, but as you said, none of that is just given. It's taken every single night out. Has to be. That's exactly right. It has to be. Um, you know, one thing that that you know, people who watch us and, and they see that it's physical, but just the level of physicality that goes on out there, possession to possession, um, over the course of forty minutes, it's hard to to put into words. You know, if you sit down and see it, or you get up close and see it. You know, it's hard to describe just how physical these games are. That's true. <laughs> They're not for the faint of heart. All right. right so let's move forward then uh, to your scrimmage with Division II, NCAA Division II Charleston. So let me ask right. a question that the, the average fan might not have a, a solid awareness of. And, and, and I'll concede that even though I think of myself as a little bit more than an average fan, this is one I would struggle to answer. What is the difference in terms of the game itself between an NCAA Division II and an NAI school? What, what's the difference? Um, University of Charleston is in the Mountain East Conference, uh, Division II. Um, they're in the same conference as Glenville State out of West Virginia, who's a national champion last year. Matter of fact, they beat Glenville State in the conference tournament, in the conference final, to win the conference tournament last year uh, in the Mountain East. So, um, I believe they won 19 or 20 games last year. They were 20 and 12, I believe, on the season. Um, so, in our, you know, that's a formidable opponent for us. Other than that, I mean, there, there's no difference to me. Like, it's going to be just as physical, just as competitive, if not more so. Um, you know, these kids had some success last year, and I think they lost only one or two players. So, it's not like their roster turned over. You know, we got the same crew that, that um, did some big things the year before. Would would you say this be, would be comparable to a Mid South Conference game? If you look at the score, I mean, you know, <laughs> we're, the scores, you know, in the sixties and the fifties, and bodies were flying. So, 
yes, I would say that it would be comparable. You know, you quick guards, they had multiple post players, um, 6'2", 6'1", 6'3", um, shooting the ball from the perimeter. Um, they ran the floor really well, you know, and, and they banged on the inside. Like, we struggle. I think, I don't know what the rebounding margin was in this game. I don't recall because this they asked, you know, there was an exhibition for them or a scrimmage for them. You know, they open the season tomorrow. And so we did not post the stats for that. So um, I don't recall what the rebound difference was. It was a super physical game. Yeah. But in the contest, Bailey Frazier had a huge game. Seven out of seven from the field. Four out of four from the three-point line. Five rebounds. 18 points. As efficient as it gets, right, as, as a basketball player. She struggled a little bit on, on Saturday uh, against Rio. Um, it's not always going to fall like that for you. But, man, just a nice, nice bounce back for her, um, you know, to get her confidence back a little bit and and heading into, you know, our, our conference opener. Can't say enough about her performance. Like, she she kept us, you know, where they tried to make runs, she had an answer, right? And, and her defense was just as stellar as the offense. Mary bounces back from the subpar performance against Rio with 12 points uh, and three rebounds in 33 minutes. So obviously she's able to go. How many seniors do we have, right? Like we've got so much experience that, you know, these guys, you know, when they, when they get it going, right. When they're, when they're, when they get it going, it's hard to, it's hard to take them out, but we've got to find, we've got, we've got to find minutes for, for some of our younger players and, and balance this thing out for the long haul for sure. But Mary, Mary certainly did bounce back. And your leading rebounder was not Morgan Stamper in this contest. Your leading rebounder was Haley Free. Nine rebounds for Haley. Guards have to rebound at this level because the post players are in there fighting long. And then, you know, Morgan was having to deal with a lot of height on the inside and just keep them off the glass. And there were, there were rebounds available for guards all night long. And Haley took advantage of it. So it's a scrimmage. Doesn't count on the record, but you got to feel good coming out of that contest. As we said, this is this is a not a cupcake that you that you beat. It's not we you know it's not treated like a practice. Both teams are out there competing to win. Um, winning matters, and and so you know every time we cross that line, you know I don't care what the label is on the game, and that's just this was my pregame message, right? Like they, it's called a scrimmage, it's called this, it's game day, it's time to go to work, and and we need to treat it as such. And, and you did. I, I looked at your substitution pattern. There's clearly a difference between that and the University of Kentucky exhibition. You tightened your bench. You you played seven players double-digit minutes, and an additional four players got logged minutes in that contest. So you right. clearly clearly treated that one as if okay, this is a this is a we're going to tip this up and we're going as if it's going to count on our record. It's our last tune-up before we hit the league, you know. And and so yes, absolutely. We've got to treat it that way. Perfect segue. We're going to exit out of this segment, and when we come back, we'll take a look at, first of all, the Mid-South Conference. We'll take a look at U-Pike's upcoming contest against the Lindsey Wilson Blue Raiders, all on this episode of At the Horn. Welcome back to At the Horn. Joined again by Cliff Williams, head coach of University of Pikeville Women's Basketball Program. Coach, before we talk about the start of the Mid-South Conference season, which gets underway Friday at Lindsey Wilson, 
There was an announcement this summer that this will be the University of Pikeville's final season in the Mid-South Conference, that beginning next year, it will join the Appalachian Athletic Conference, the AAC. Yes. Uh, first of all, what's, what's your first impression on this change in conference alignment? It's an opportunity to, for us as an athletic department to be more consistently competitive across all sports. That's going to shift our travel uh, and improve, you know, our, our travel situation some. And we're going to join the largest conference in the NAIA. Um, I've yet to see the conference schedule in terms of, I just understand that we're going to play 22 games, the same as we did uh, that we're going to play this year and, and last year in the Mid-South. So that won't change, but we'll have an opportunity to scout and get to learn several new teams and new coaches and new coaching styles. So uh, the challenge for coaches and players is certainly going to, to be different than it has been, but uh, it'll be challenging nonetheless. And as you prepare for this final season in the Mid South Conference, you know that you're playing one of the most in one of the most competitive conferences in the entire NAIA. Eight teams out of the twelve made the tournament last year, which is a significant number. As you look out across the conference landscape this year, you know that you've got the two big names that are always there: Thomas Moore and Campbellsville. Uh, what else? strikes you just on a first blush look at the league as a whole this year? I feel like Georgetown, you know, is one of those teams that's just a, a sleeper here ready to jump into that top three um, teams in this league. Uh, I like the the balance on their roster. They're well, well coached and um, they're going to be, they're going to be a tough out for everyone. Um, I've watched Thomas Moore play, uh, two, three, two times already this year. Uh, Washington played most recently against the number four team in the country at their place and just do an absolutely outstanding job on the defensive end. They looked as tough as they've ever been. Um, I expect the league top to bottom. Campbellsville, too, I've seen already uh, super tough in the zone uh, in the half court, and they shot the ball really well. Um, I expect the league to be as tough as it's ever been. Um, it's going to be as competitive as it's ever been. You mentioned Thomas Moore. They made the trip to Montana to play to play Carroll, which I thought was a really interesting decision scheduling wise. They, they went three and zero on the Montana trip. Um, and we're familiar with going out west and playing in Montana against some of those teams. Uh, that's always great competition out there, um, and and they walked away three and zero. So fantastic early season trip for them. All right, let's turn our attention to the conference opener Friday afternoon at Lindsey Wilson. Now, this game uh, is going at a slightly different time than originally scheduled. Would you care to talk to us about why that is? Uh, we scheduled this game uh, this early because it was originally scheduled in December when we're taking a trip to Florida. So Lindsey Wilson was gracious enough to accommodate us and, and reschedule this game. So, you know, whatever date they proposed, I was like, let's go for it. Lindsay comes into the contest 4-0. They have victories over Union, Brescia, Midway, and Berea. Uh, all of those are at home. They did have an exhibition at Western Kentucky University. The only game remotely close of the four was a seven-point victory over Midway. All of the others, Union, Brescia, and Berea, were significant blowout victories. So it's, it's a little difficult in some ways to get a true read on this team. 
when they were able to to play a very different clear the bench everybody gets minutes kind of kind of contest i suppose well i mean you know yes and no like it's we're we played these guys so much and here's the advantage of being in the league seven seasons right and their coaching staff hasn't changed just the players have changed their system is the same their culture hasn't changed you know we know what we're getting ready to step into <laughs> in other words um you know we've seen the fresh faces on film um we we know the familiar faces that have returned for this season and uh we know what the challenges are going to be you know so we will keep the focus on us and and the things that we need to do better to to go in there and and be able to challenge them and come away with a win like pikeville uh lindsay appears to have a veteran squad returning but they also have a couple of key fresh faces uh in terms of the returning veterans, Malia Oldham stands out, but this is a this is a team with a balanced scoring attack, or at least thus far in the season. They they have five players, it seems like, that are capable of getting double digit points uh in any contest. It, they do. And and you know, it, early in the season, um, Coach Wethington, you know, we 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 chat from time to time and he talked about having more depth this year and and that's playing out in some of these early season games. Um, he's given some freshmen an opportunity to play uh, and keeping his veteran players fresh. We know that Oldham and Sydney Hall are going to shoot the three-point ball really, really well. We know they're going to attack the paint and, and get inside and either finish or try to get to the foul line. Um, like I said, their style of play is not going to change much. They're going to press and try to speed us up. Um, it's going to be an exciting game. It was a really exciting contest there last year. And like I said, it's about us and our preparation and being ready to go. One final note, uh, just in looking at Lindsay's roster, a newcomer that is significant is Carla Moreno, a six-foot freshman who is uh, starting to put up some significant numbers, 10 rebounds a contest as a freshman. So she's come in and, and hit the proverbial ground running, or in this case, jumping. To counter that, she's going to have to go and meet Morgan Stamper, so it should be interesting. Is this a clash of styles, or is this who can impose their their style? Yeah, it, well, I mean, they're certainly going to try to impose theirs, right? And and I think in a lot of ways, you know, we, we, we counter each other. I don't know if it's a mirror, right? Um, we're going to try to shoot the three. We're going to try to attack the paint. You know, it's how we do it may be a little bit different, but overall, it's, it, you know, it's going to it's going to look similar. Everybody healthy. You you mentioned a couple of players that have been rehabbing injuries. Well, so where are the Bears health wise? Um, we've only got one that's still rehabbing. Um, the rest are, are healthy. Um, Sammy Seitz is still working her way back with the hamstring, but she's making progress every day. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll have her back in the mix here in the next week or so. In our Off the Radar segment, a new segment we introduced last week, we take a look at some facet or some individual from the Bears program that fans who show up and watch the game may not have any awareness of before they sit down and after they leave. And yet these facets of the program are important for this program to be the kind of program that it is and the kind of culture that it has. Coach, who are we talking about on our Off the Radar segment today? Today in Off the Radar, um, we're going to feature junior Julia Parker from Ashland, Kentucky. 
um, all-time leading scorer at Ashland, I think boys and girls um, in both programs at, at Ashland High, Paul Blazer, or Paul Ashland Blazer. I'm not sure how they put all that together. Paul G. Blazer. What does Julia do that, that um, is off the radar for us or that fans would not know about? Just from a personal standpoint, Julia's a, a fantastic artist, right? People would not know that, right? She draws, um, she's creative with, with, with her artwork. Um, she takes her time really dil diligent about the details and what she's doing. At the university, she also works in admissions. Julia gives tours to families and prospective student athletes, you know, from all over. And the feedback that we get from the tours that she specifically gives is just outstanding. I mean, to the point where um, she gave one tour and the people said, asked if they could take her home with her, like, <laughs> part of their family. Like, and this wasn't like they, this is the kind of connection she's able to make um, in, in giving these tours. So she's been doing that probably for the last year or so, maybe a little bit longer. I think she started uh, at some point last year and, and has picked up this year. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, she's a growl team member. So she's part of the orientation team. When, when new students and families come in um, for their pre-registration and, and registration and, and getting everything set up prior to, to uh, moving in. And last but not least, the latest job she's taken on is that she's doing an administrative work for our Center of Academic Excellence. So she's, she's putting together spreadsheets um, in, in helping our tutors and, and managers in the Center for Academic Excellence stay on top of all of the student athletes that, that they're helping through uh, their undergraduate work. Outstanding. What does a player like that, that, that does the things behind the scenes and off the radar, what do they add to the culture of your program? You have to have good time management because, you know, the expectations don't change in terms of the basketball piece. The expectations don't change in the classroom. You just become the better person you become, the better person you are for the rest of your teammates. Right. So it starts with the individual, but it spreads to the rest of the team. And then you don't get to tell people you don't have to tell people what you're doing. They can see it. And so when they see the action, it's all about action. Don't tell me what you're doing. Show me what you're doing. Your culture is not what you say. It's what you do. Thank you, Coach. We appreciate that. When we come back, we'll take a look at the Buckets for Backpacks update, and we'll look ahead to what's next on At The Horn. Welcome back to At The Horn. In this final segment, we're going to take a look at the Buckets for Backpacks update. Now, for those of you who've not been listening to the podcast before, first of all, where you been? But we're glad you're here now. And second of all, Buckets for Backpacks. It is an initiative started by Coach Williams, uh, along with Pikeville United Methodist Church, in an attempt to address the issue of food insecurity for students in Pike County. For every bucket, two or three point basket that the Bears make, Coach Williams donates a dollar. And we seek to find matches for those dollars from people in the community, in the program, around the program, alumni, church members there from Pikeville, wherever it will come from. We're looking for a match. 
thus far this season with the 13 against the University of Kentucky, the 28 against Rio Grande, and the 23 against Charleston, along with the 36 from Olivet. You are now at an even 100 buckets on the season, my friend. Yep. Off to a good start. We are off to a good start, and hopefully we can get about 40 field goals against Lindsey Wilson, and I know we'll be in good shape if we can do that. Always great to talk to you, my friend. We hope to see you again next week. Thank you for joining us, everyone, on this episode of At The Horn. And as always, go.